listening to Miscarriage Stories with Arden Cartrett. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to jump on and make this super quick, but I wanted to let you know that with the holidays coming up, Cassia and I, who is a doula on my team, by the way, we have put together this incredible webinar for you. It's called Grieving Through the Holidays. It's a 17-minute webinar that you can get in video format, audio format, and you have access to a 20-page guidebook that serves as a workbook, but also has the transcript for the webinar and some extra information. It covers things like coping during the holiday season, setting goals, scripts for talking to people about miscarriage or answering their nosy questions, journal prompts, a, a deep dive into triggers, and so much more. You can get this for $15. It includes the audio, the video, and the guidebook. And you can access this or learn more if you'd like to by visiting the link in today's show notes. Okay, let's get into the episode. Emma, thank you so much for being here today. I kind of regret not hitting record sooner because I feel like we had a really great like opening conversation about how important it is to share your story, no matter what aspect you're at. And that birth, whether it ends with a living child or not a living child is a really scary and vulnerable story to share. And so I know that you have quite the story and you are nervous, but very, very, very strong in coming here today. Um, So I'd love to give you space to share your story and start that wherever you feel like your story begins. Okay. Thank you. Well, yes, like you said, we, uh, I mentioned that sharing <clears throat> is something that I have not done for all three. So this is a new experience for me. I've never shared all of them, all stories from like start to finish with the details because it's hard for people to hear. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, thank you. I wrote down some notes because I just want to make sure that I That's also- to do it. I can articulate it, but, um, so yes, my first pregnancy was in 2018. Um, and it was like planned, but not planned, you know, where you're, you're ready, but it just kind of seeing how things go. I always had this thought in the back of my mind that maybe I would struggle to conceive. I don't know why, I ever had that thought because there was nothing to indicate it. I just did. I I don't know. It's like one of those thoughts that you have about yourself, but we didn't. So um, I got pregnant and we were shocked, but excited. I mean, yeah, I, I held the pregnancy test and I was just like, am I ready for this? I mean, I have to get ready. There's no choice. So, you know, you have nine months. And so we just, um, yeah, continued life. We were in a big transition at the time. Um, Um, my husband had just gotten out of uh, basic training. He joined the air force reserves. And so we were currently living with my parents. And so we were trying to find our own place 
just such a crazy transition at the time. So we did that first trip. Hold on. Let me go close the door. <laughs> you are totally fine. So he can get back in. Yeah. Well, and that was another thing that we were talking about before we hit record just how we both have dogs and yeah. like how I'm always on edge for my dogs to start barking. So it's kind of relieving when somebody else's dogs <laughs> make noise first. <laughs> he does great when he's inside, uh, but our neighbors have dogs too, and they like to, you know, bark at each yeah. other. So anyways, um, yeah, so we were just in a lot of transition at the time, um, but we settled in an apartment. We didn't know what the future was going to look like. We didn't know if um, my husband was going to, he signed on to be in the reserves, which is where you basically um, are, have your normal civilian life and you go to your base once a month and do a, um, what they call a drill weekend, just to keep up your trainings and all of this stuff. So it's a way to serve without being committed to active duty but he kind of thought he wanted to go active duty. So we were like, we literally didn't know if we were going to be possibly stationed somewhere before this baby came. So it was just a weird time. Um, I wanted to have a home birth. I knew that from the beginning that I wanted to have a home birth. My mom had both me and my brother at home. So it just was like a, a normal thing for me. And I just, had a lot of peace about it. I knew it was going to be fine. So we hired a midwife, um, without too much research. Um, but she came recommended by a couple of people. So we just, we went with her. I didn't know how to find other midwives. I, yeah, I just was like, okay, I'm pregnant. I need care. I'm going to hire this midwife. So everything was pretty normal in the first trimester. Um, didn't have a lot of really bad first trimester symptoms. I had honestly no morning sickness. I had a lot of fatigue, which is normal. And my gag reflex was real bad. So I ended up having to take like gummy prenatals and all of that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fairly easy. Um, we, yeah, we were just, you know, trucking along. And then at 20 weeks, we went to go visit some friends in North Carolina, actually. Um, and our last day there, we had gone to um, uh, whatever the mountain range is there. And we did some hikes. I think we went to like Asheville, I think. Um, and we were just really active. And so the night before we were flying out the next day, um, I took a shower and I had some bleeding bright red bleeding and I was 20 weeks. So that's pretty concerning at any time in pregnancy. But at 20 weeks, I was like, I, I shouldn't be miscarrying. I'm 20 weeks. I didn't know a lot about this other world of pregnancy complications, pregnancy loss, um, like I do now. So I was very nervous. I called my midwife and she said to drink some juice, um, lay down, see if I could feel him moving because at 20 weeks I could feel him and I could, but I was still really nervous and really anxious. And we were flying home the next day. So we decided to go get checked out, um, at an ER there. So that was honestly pretty easy. The ER was, you know, they take you right up to L and D at 20 weeks or, or more. <laughs> And they just, they did the ultrasound, everything looked fine. Um, they said that it was a, a really older ultrasound machine. 
So they said it looked like my placenta was covering my cervix, which would be previa, placenta previa. And so I said, oh, I've never heard of that, but okay, that's great. Everything is fine. Uh, they also said, do you want to know the gender? And it's funny because our anatomy scan was like the next day um, or the day after. So the next day we were flying home, then the day after was the anatomy scan. But we said, sure, why not? We're already here. And they said it was a girl. And something just felt off about that. He ended up being a boy. He was a boy. Uh, so that's, that was just funny. They said he was a girl. And um, so yeah, everything was fine. We, we got home really late the next day at like midnight and then had to turn around and get up and go to our anatomy scan um, the next morning. I think kind of early. Anyways, it's four years ago. So it's hard to recall those little details. So the anatomy scan was fine. Everything looked great. Sorry, my dog got stuck in the back bedroom. I will, okay, I will pause it. <laughs> They're helpless he, creatures whenever we're busy. <laughs> he's uh, looking for my son. He was oh. in his room. <laughs> he's like, where's my brother? Um, anyway, so the anatomy scan looked good. They confirmed he was a boy because, you know, their machines are much more. Yeah, that's so interesting that they told you their machine was older at the ER. And so it's like, they couldn't totally tell what was happening, but it looked like your placenta was covering your cervix. And they're like, oh, but we for sure know the gender. Yeah, it was a weird. <laughs> I, just something felt off about it. And it, I, I was right because he was a boy. Right. Um, yeah, so, but the anatomy scan did confirm that the placenta was covering. So they were right about that. Um, I mean, the placenta is huge, so it makes sense that they would be able to, to tell that it was covering. So, um, but again, I had never heard of that. I'd kind of Googled a little bit, but we were also traveling and dealing with just, you know, the adrenaline rush of the uh, bleeding and ER visit. So uh, I got home. Oh, and they also, this just dawned on me. Um, they also said I had a cyst on my ovary, which I now know is pretty common. Um, in pregnancy. I just didn't know at the time. So I'm processing this placenta previa news, the cyst, and I'm just like sobbing on the way home from the ultrasound. <laughs> um, called my midwife. We kind of made a game plan. <clears throat> she said she was going to watch it. And normally like nine times out of 10, they move. It's a very, very, very high percentage of them that move. Um, so I continued on with life. She said, just take it a little easy. Um, I bled again at 25 weeks, um, more this time. The first time was just a little bit. And then at 25 weeks, it was much, it was enough to feel like a small pad. So we were like, okay, it's probably the previa, but it's terrifying to see. So we went to the um, ER in our state now in Texas, uh, close to our house. So we went there, they monitored me, uh, baby was fine. He was good. It was, it was the previa. Um, but everything by the time we got to the hospital was fine and there was no active bleeding. It was just old. Um, so again, we went home, called my midwife. We, she decided that I needed to, um, beyond modified bed rest, I believe. Um, so I just took it really easy. And at work, I didn't um, do the things that I normally did. I just kind of sat in the office. I worked 
for um, the YMCA in like the summer camp, which is really, really, really active. So thankfully my boss was able to just kind of say, okay, well you can come in and sit in the office and just help with admin stuff. Um, so it didn't require a lot of um, really huge changes. Then at 31 weeks, I bled again. Um, and this time was extremely traumatic. Um, I thought I was miscarrying. Like I thought he was, I was going into labor and I was going to give birth and, you know, all of that. So I was actually home alone because my husband's an EMT and he was working a 24 hour shift. And so I was home in our apartment alone, thought I was miscarrying. Um, it's just this huge gush of blood. Um, I ran to the bathroom. It looked, it looked like a murder scene. I mean, it was very traumatic and I thankfully was able to call my husband and call my midwife. And then I sat in the tub, just sobbing, like thinking that I was going to lose this baby and just all of those kind of panicky thoughts that run through your mind. Um, and so I got myself cleaned up and, and at that point, I think I, I just didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I had to like get cleaned up. And then my husband called me and said that he called my parents to come get me, to take me to the ER. And, you know, in those moments, that was not on my brain. I was like husband, midwife. And I didn't think any further than that, but thankfully he called them and they don't live far. They live 10 minutes away. So they were able to come get me and take me to the ER. Um, that time, I think the bleeding stopped within a few hours of being there, but I was monitored for three days, given the steroid injection in case they did have to deliver him. Um, given magnesium, I don't remember what that was for, but um, all of these things just in case, because they thought maybe they would have to deliver him. I signed all the disclosure forms just in case. It was, it was pretty rough. Um, and I stayed for three days and thankfully everything slowed down and there was no reason for him to be delivered. Um, at that point though, my midwife finally said, okay, I need to transfer you out of my service um, to an OB because it seems like things are picking up and you might have to have a C-section. And this whole time I'd been doing a lot of, um, not, I, I was like laying upside down, my head down, my pelvis and legs up to try to just, you know, get gravity to do its thing and nothing was working. It was a very stubborn placenta. And so at 31 weeks, we shifted gears and we're like, okay, we're going to go and get an OB. And if I can have a vaginal delivery, great. But if not, at least I've got <clears throat> a provider who's familiar with my pregnancy and can do the C-section. It took three weeks to get in to see this OB though. So thankfully my midwife still um, continued care, even though she knew I was going to be transferred out. So that way I didn't have a lapse in care. So I went to her weekly, or I think, I can't remember at that point, I think it's two weeks. So I went to her once in between the bleeding episode and then meeting my OB. So on um, Halloween, so October 31st of 2018, I met this OB for the first time and I had gone in there with this list of questions. Um, I wanted a very like gentle C-section with the clear drape and I wanted him to be placed on my chest immediately. I mean, I just wanted to 
to emulate as much or simulate as much as a, as a home birth as I could get in the hospital with the C-section. So I was like, can we compromise and do this and this? And he was just like, no, 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 none of that is possible. And I left the, and I'm like, but I know it is, I've researched this. And so I was going to print out research and say, I know you can't do, um, you know, where you keep, where you don't cut the cord immediately because that's dangerous. I get that. But why can't you place them on my chest? Like all of this research and all of these personal experiences say that there's no risk when baby is healthy, mom is healthy, which is what we were planning for. We thought, you know, at 39 weeks, they would just schedule the C-section. So my body didn't go into labor. And he was just really dismissive. Um, it did not like that, but I felt very much like I didn't have another choice, but to stick with him. So I was planning to print out research to bring to him at our next appointment. And it turns out I went into labor sort of that night. Um, so at like 4am I woke up bleeding and I knew what was happening. Um, I had a lot of experience up to this point. So I had already had a hospital bag packed. I was much more calm and prepared. Um, so I went and I cleaned myself up. And once again, um, my husband was at work, uh, but I was staying with my parents in the chance this happened again. Um, so we were going back and forth when my husband had uh, a long shift and sometimes he would work two days in a row. I would stay with them and then we'd go back home. So it was a lot, but it was, it was better because I was able to walk and in, into their room and be like, Hey, I need you to drive me to the hospital. Um, but I was just, <clears throat> I was prepared, even though it was a unexpected situation. Um, so I had my bag, we got my pillow, called my husband, called the doctor's office, you know, the nurse's line to let them know. Um, we had, so the hospital that's really close to our house is not the best hospital. Um, and that's where we had gone for the two times that we were here. And I had a bleeding episode and each time I just didn't love the care that I received. And um, this OB delivered at a hospital that was 15 minutes away. There's lots of hospitals around us. So we knew to go to his hospital um, and avoid the hospital that was um, just not as great. Like, for example, I went in 25 weeks bleeding and they made me sit in triage in the ER instead of taking me up to labor and delivery immediately. So they're just, I don't know, not very good with pregnant ladies, I guess, because I've had some other not great experiences um, with them recently as well. So we went to this other hospital. They were much better. Um, my OB delivered there. Like that's where his, um, surgical rights were or whatever. So, um, yeah, they got me checked in. My, my husband got there a couple hours later, my parents and my in-laws were all in this tiny little room with me. And, um, yeah, the OB came in and said, you know, you're, you're contracting I wasn't stopping bleeding. Um, I didn't really feel the contractions, but he said, we've, we've got to deliver your baby. And I was shocked. I, I mean, I didn't think that was going to happen because <clears throat> at our appointment, he basically said, if this happens again, go to this other hospital and you're going to have to stay in the hospital on bed rest. Well, I guess because I wasn't, <clears throat> I was actually contracting. He said, no, we need to deliver. And so that was just not what I was like, that's not what you said. Like, 
I'm supposed to just stay in the hospital. Um, so, you know, they do all the stuff and prep for the C-section and we go in and um, everything was fine. He came out crying. Uh, oh, I should add that I was 34 weeks at the time. So before the C-section, they had the NICU doctor come in and tell me this huge spiel that I remember none of. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot. So, but he came out crying and nothing happened like I wanted it to, but it was more of an emergent situation. So that's, that's how it is. And that's okay. Um, but you know, they took him and they did everything and they had to, um, you know, they suck their nose and everything. And then I think he had to pretty much be put on air, like almost immediately. Um, so they, they pretty much held him to my face and was like, here's your child. And then he was gone. Um, and I sent my husband with him. I think I was feeling real woozy at that point. I had lost, I think more blood than they were comfortable with. And they were like, does she need a transfusion? They like, um, tested, they took my blood to test the, the platelet numbers, I guess, which seems ironic. They're taking blood to find out if you need blood, but, um, I think they were pretty worried. And, um, my hand had a, a bruise over the entire back. Cause she just stuck me so fast. I think she blew the vein. I don't know. Um, I remember a lot of panic afterwards, but everything was okay. Um, they just gave me a medication for nausea, which is common after a C-section. Um, and my midwife had told me to avoid taking that if possible. Um, because it makes you kind of unaware, a little loopy. And it definitely did. I feel like I don't remember the last or the first three, four, five hours or so. I feel like I was just kind of in and out of what was going on. Um, there was a lot that happened with my parents, my in-laws, like there was just so many people they wanted to go see him, but he was in the NICU and I just had major surgery. It was a lot. Um, yeah, but <clears throat> everything was fairly normal with that. He was okay. He was taken to the NICU. Um, and I was okay. My recovery was fine, um, physically at least. And so then, um, yeah, I was released after the normal three, four days. And the hospital was very difficult. Um, I had a lot of people visit. And in hindsight, I would have said, I don't want any visitors. Um, our, our son is the first grandchild on both sides of the family. And so it was a very big moment for everybody. Um, it was just hard <clears throat> to kind of juggle that and feel like I didn't want to step on anybody's toes or offend anybody and saying, sure, you can come see me and I will walk you down to the NICU after having major abdominal surgery. Sure. It's fine. Um, and you know, you just want to kind of sit there and just process and recover. Um, I wanted to breastfeed. So I was pumping. I mean, it was, there was so much, um, yeah, in hindsight, I, I would have done things very differently, but um, people were just excited and we didn't know how to kind of handle that with grace and everything. So, um, but yeah, we went home <clears throat> and he stayed in the NICU for 12 days, um, which was insane. Um, they told us to be there, expect to be there until his due date, which was um, six weeks away. He was 34 weeks. 
he was released after 12 days and it was, it was fantastic because it was very hard to go to and from that made my recovery harder because I would go sit in the NICU chair for eight hours a day. Um, and if I hadn't have had a C-section, I probably would have tried to sleep there too. Like I just, I had to also prioritize me and my recovery too. Um, but yeah, everything, <clears throat> sorry, was great. All things considered, he went home and we attempted to figure out how to raise a baby that was tiny. He was actually fairly big for being a Nikki baby. He was um, five pounds, 11 ounces. <clears throat> yeah, but he was still, <clears throat> sorry, he was still really little. So we were just trying to figure out, you know, what to do. We didn't expect this. We had nothing. <clears throat> I didn't have a baby shower. It was actually supposed to be the Saturday. Um, and he was delivered on the Thursday. Like all of this happened on the Thursday and it was supposed to be that few days after. And I definitely did not, was not ready for anything at that point. So people just dropped off presents, sent Amazon things, but I didn't have a lot of things. Um, <clears throat> and it was kind of stressful. So thankfully we got everything and he was home and we just were figuring out how to <clears throat> do our new life with a baby. And my husband had taken all of his time off while he was in the NICU. So pretty much as soon as we brought him home, he had to go back to work. And I was by myself with this newborn for 20, 26 plus. Cause you know, you have a commute to your workplace too. And he worked a 24 hour shift. So my mom would come stay with me for, you know, almost 30 hours, two times a week, sometimes more. Um, and she would spend the night and we had a one bedroom apartment at the time and she would sleep on the couch and she was a trooper. Um, so yeah, I couldn't have done it without her, but yeah, physically everything was okay. Emotionally was another story. I had to grieve the birth that I wanted. Um, and then also, you know, just grieve the, we didn't think that this was going to happen. So, you know, when things happen that aren't what you expect, you really have to process that. And a lot of people told me, oh, well, at least you and the, and the baby are healthy. You know, those at least statements. And that while that's true, I did have a living healthy child. It still hurt. <clears throat> and I was like, but I'm struggling physically, you know, my son didn't get an extra few weeks inside of me to develop. And thankfully nothing happened from that, but other people aren't as lucky. Like there are babies that are born that early that do have complications. Um, so it felt really belittling to hear those at least statements, at least, you know, that's, they were like, at least you and the baby are fine. And that's all that matters. And I'm like, no, that's not all that matters. Um, <clears throat> so I just had to go through this, um, like grieving process. I wanted to have a home birth and I had pretty much the opposite. And then once I had mentally accepted the fact that we were going to have a C-section, it wasn't the type of C-section I wanted. Um, the OB was pretty dismissive and all of that. So there was just a lot <clears throat> that I had to process. Um, also, we found out after the delivery that my placenta had abrupted too. So there was, I, I had, he had to be born. So it wasn't just the doctor making this decision because he thinks it's, you know, a time like, you know, 
placenta abruption is a big deal and he had to be delivered. So that was helpful in my mental processing. Um, but I think like many moms in this community <clears throat> understand the um, like emotional triggers that you have and the, the PTSD essentially. And so um, the hardest part for me was in once my period returned, um, feeling that um, blood basically come, come out was very, very, very triggering. Um, if I wasn't prepared, it would send me into like a panic attack. Like if I was prepared and I knew it was coming, I could kind of mentally, you know, prepare with whatever I need. There were a couple of times where I would, it would just a certain feeling would bring back all of those emotions of not knowing what was happening and wondering if my baby was, was dead and it was hard. So there was a lot of, <laughs> a lot of panic attacks, um, after that, but I worked through that for the most part um, and we wanted to wait a bit to have another because I did want to try again to have a home birth and I wanted to have a VBAC. Um, so I wanted to make sure that my body had healed enough. Um, and I didn't want kids super close together either. So we waited about three or it would have been three years <clears throat> between due dates. So my husband had gone on a deployment with because he's in the Air Force. Um, and he got back and <clears throat> we got pregnant shortly after that. <clears throat> Sorry. And um, that was in, um, I'm trying to think, let me see, I wrote it down. That was in, I had got a positive pregnancy test on Valentine's day, 2021. So we were excited and we, we wanted that. We were shocked that it happened so soon. He got home like in January. So, um, yes, we also were in another huge transition of our lives. Um, not only with him getting home from his deployment and kind of adjusting back to civilian life. Um, he had some PTSD, um, from his experiences over there. Uh, we were also selling our house and the housing market was crazy in 2021. Um, just that like post COVID boom, it was crazy here. So we, it was great for selling our house. Um, our house sold really, really, really fast. Finding a house on the other hand was impossible. So I got pregnant and we put our house on the market mid-March. And um, so we, all of this was kind of happening around the same time. So um, we hired a different midwife for this pregnancy, I realized in processing my, my son's birth that things could have been done differently with that midwife. And I just didn't, I didn't want her again. Um, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about um, midwifery care and the fact that there are a lot of midwives here that I could have gone with. So we did a lot more research and we hired a midwife who actually was the midwife that delivered me uh, 27 years ago. <laughs> uh, she wasn't the midwife that my mom had used. Um, she was the backup midwife because my mom's midwife ended up being out of town. So that was kind of cool. I showed her a picture of like me as a baby and her with me. And it was just, um, 
yeah, it was neat. That's not the reason we hired her. She's, she's great. Uh, it was just kind of a funny, uh, little added story. So we hired her and she doesn't see you until nine weeks because, um, you know, kind of before that, there's not much that they can do. And she, um, uses the Doppler to find the heartbeat. And before nine weeks, that's, um, hard to find. So we hired her and, um, around four or five, maybe six weeks, but like, we didn't see her until nine weeks. So, you know, I just lived life in my first trimester. And this pregnancy also did not have a lot of first trimester symptoms, which didn't bother me because I didn't with our first son. Um, I honestly felt very normal other than maybe slight fatigue. Uh, but I had hardly any symptoms, even the gag reflex wasn't there. So, but I just thought, great, you know, I'm not dealing with that while having a toddler, he was about, you know, two and a half, almost two and a half. So I, I was very thankful. Um, so we were just living life. We were getting ready to sell our house. We had to do a few things, you know, fix it up here, there, um, take pictures, all of this busy, busy, busy stuff. So pack a few boxes here and there, even though we wouldn't, we weren't on the market yet, but anyways, so we were just focusing on that. And then, um, I was nine weeks and my midwife appointment was, I think on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. And so a few days before that, I had some pink spotting, um, and it wasn't even really spotting. It was only when I wiped, but I didn't, it didn't bother me because at this point, nothing had ever happened to me in a first trimester. So I just kind of mentally told myself to bring it up to her. And so at our appointment, I told her, you know, she goes through her appointment and midwives, uh, she was there for like an hour. They tend to spend more time with you than an OB, which is, which is something that I appreciate. Um, I have a lot of respect for anybody. Obviously an OB saved mine and my son's life, but I just really wanted to have a home birth. And so, yeah, she was there for about an hour. We chatted. Um, and I told her about the spotting and she said, well, you know, keep an eye on it. You could have an irritated cervix. Um, And then I laid down for her to use the Doppler to find the heartbeat and she couldn't find anything. I didn't, I didn't freak out. I was like, it's okay. You know, I had no trauma in regards to this yet. Um, She said, she, she's like, you can go get an ultrasound if you would feel more comfortable, or you can just wait two weeks and I'll come back. And I was like, well, we don't, there's a lot of stuff happening right now. Let's just wait two weeks. Um, And you can, come back. And so I, um, yeah, that's, we agreed on that. We made an appointment time and she left. Well, literally the next day, uh, my son and I were at the grocery store and I bled in the grocery store. And I just, I knew what was happening because I know that feeling. Um, so that was instantly triggering from the trauma that I had from our first son. And so Thankfully, I had only put one thing in my grocery cart, so I threw it back on the shelf and, you know, walked as fast as I could to the bathroom, and sure enough, it was bright red blood. Um, so I'm I'm pretty much panicking at this 
point. I have never experienced this in a first trimester. And I was just like, this is a miscarriage. Like, I just felt like, what else could it be? Why am I bleeding bright red blood uh, in my first trimester? So I got in the car, loaded our two and a half year old up and called my midwife. And I mean, I couldn't keep it together. I was crying and I hadn't really talked to her except for that nine week appointment. That was the day before. So I was like, I had to, not, not that I had to remind her, but I like wanted to make sure that she knew who I was because we didn't really have a relationship up to this point. So I was like, you know, it's Emma Jensen. Like you saw me yesterday. And, um, anyways, I told her what happened and, you know, she was, honest. She's like, it, it could be a miscarriage. It could be a, well, she was like, are you cramping? And I said, I don't think so. Like, I don't feel anything. And she said, well, it could be a, a subchorionic hematoma, subchronic hemorrhage. And I had never heard of that. So of course I Google that later, but I needed to get home first. So, um, I said, okay. Um, she said, you know, go home, rest, spend the day, rest of the day resting and, you know, I'll check on you later. We'll see what's going on. Um, this was a Friday. So, um, yeah, it wasn't like I needed to rush to the ER at that point, but so I went home and my husband was sleeping because of his work schedule. He was working now at a hospital at this point. So he was only working 12 hour shifts. He was working night shifts. So, he was asleep. It was like mid morning and I'm calling and calling and calling and he doesn't answer. Uh, and we get practically all the way home before he called back, but I told him what was happening and he, he met me outside to get our son. And I just sat in the driver's seat. I was like, I'm not moving. Like I I'm scared to move. Like, I don't want to bleed more. I don't want to feel anything. I just want to sit here. Um, I don't know why I was just like, if I sit here, nothing's going to happen because I feel fine right now. Um, you know, you tell yourself a lot of things in these moments, but I eventually got inside and laid down and I was bleeding and, and spotting a bit, nothing ever huge. So it was, it was interesting. So I laid down, I pretty much was on bed rest, self-prescribed bed rest. Um, and I, um, my husband was actually having to go out of town that weekend for his, um, military requirement for his weekend service. And so he had to, thankfully he's allowed to get out of things for like emergency situations. And so he called and he said, I, I can't, um, you know, something's going on with my wife and she's pregnant. And so he stayed home. <clears throat> my son, um, I think my in-laws came to get him. They lived at this time. We lived closer to my in-laws. They lived about 10 minutes away. So thankfully we had a lot of help with our son. Um, so they came to get him and I think I just, you know, stayed in bed and was just insanely Googling and, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. I read all that I could about the subcryonic hematomas. And that evening, I think we scheduled an ultrasound. Um, I think I called the, my midwife called to check in and I told her, you know, there's still some 
blood. I, I honestly felt like I was cramping, but I didn't know if it was just my mind making it up. Um, so basically we decided to make, to make an ultrasound appointment at like a private clinic as soon as we could. And the earliest they could get us in was like Tuesday, um, Monday or Tuesday. So then we decided to just wait and see what happened over the weekend. Um, so then of course I'm Googling, what does a miscarriage, what is a miscarriage? What does it feel like? Um, I didn't get a lot of, um, information and it was all like the baby websites, like what to expect when you're expecting all of those websites with the articles that are not the most helpful. Um, I don't know if you existed at the time, if your services existed at the time. I, I started in December of 2020. Okay. Um, but it's still because there's like this whole thing of like those sites, they mm-hmm. pay, they have a ton of money to pay for like Google advertising and they have like their search engine optimization to where they pop up first. And so it's like hard to find the real answers. But I remember with my miscarriages, my first one, I sat at home on my couch crying <laughs> and Googling like, what's a miscarriage really like? And it felt like everything that was popping up, I was like, no, Google, you're not hearing my question. Like, what is a miscarriage actually going to be like? Can somebody prepare me? And so I I feel those words so deeply of looking for an answer and thinking that you're about to read an article whenever it says what miscarriage is really like. And then you read it and they're like, oh, it's a heavy period. It'll probably happen and then be over and far from the truth. Yes. Yeah. You're exactly right. And I wish your stuff would have come up, but it seems like you were pretty new at the time, but, um, that's okay. I got through it unfortunately, but yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just the, what does it really feel like? And it's just, oh, you know, expect some cramping. It's like a heavy period. Um, but there was nothing concrete. I was just like, I still don't know what, what to expect. Um, and then I was also, I was, so I was Googling miscarriage and what is miscarriage like? And I was Googling subchronic he- hemorrhage, hematoma. What is that like? We didn't know what was happening. And so we, we just got through the weekend. Um, I had a little bit of discharge that was, it, it was not a blood clot. It was interesting. And so I, I actually texted a picture to my midwife and she said that it looked like tissue And so at that point I'm just sobbing and I'm like, okay, it's a miscarriage. So then I'm trying to prepare myself for that. Um, but nothing, nothing happened. So the weekend passed, um, I was continuing to spot though. Um, so Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember exactly. We had this ultrasound. And so I should have been about 10 weeks at the time because you know how your turnover date is a certain day. I think my day was like Monday. So technically I was 10 weeks, just at 10 weeks. So we get this ultrasound and we're terrified. Um, we had never had an ultrasound that early with our first pregnancy either. Um, we had them at 20 weeks and then a ton until the, till 34 weeks. So we just didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what a baby looked like that was that small. Um, so they, you know, the ultrasound and pretty much immediately he was moving and jumping around on the screen and we were shocked and elated like 
crying tears of joy. Um, the heartbeat was strong, like 170s, and he was measuring on track. Um, we did do an early blood test, that sneak peek blood test to find out the gender. I just really wanted to know. And it said that it was a boy. So we were excited to have another boy. Um, I love, I love boys. I love having a son. So I was just excited to have another one. And we were just shocked and excited. So they couldn't tell if there was a subchronic hemorrhage. So I called my midwife after we left and let her know that everything was great. And she said, okay, I'm going to come see you in like a week and let's get you in with a maternal fetal medicine doctor, um, to figure out what's going on. Cause she couldn't, you know, do that. So, um, she was going to continue care and like co-manage with it, with the MFM, if that's what was going on. So she saw we called the MFM and of course it takes forever to get into these doctors. So it was about, um, two, a two week wait. So she saw me in between. And when she saw me, um, so from, let me back up. So after that ultrasound, she said, let's treat you like you have a subcryonic hemorrhage hematoma. I never know what the difference is. Sorry. But, um, you know, it's where little blood pools in your lining for those that don't know. I don't know the exact terms because that's not what I ended up having, but, um, so we treated it like it was that. And I was on bed rest for two weeks while we were moving while I had a toddler. So we ended up just, um, packing our house up kind of early. We already had, a, um, a buyer and we were just waiting for that process to, um, finish with inspections and all of that stuff. So we <clears throat> ended up just, but we didn't have a place to go yet. So um, we ended up just packing up a little early and moving in with my parents um, into my childhood bedroom, all three of us. And we had two mattresses on the floor and three bags at the foot of the bed. And it was, it was insane, but um, everything was kind of wrapped up with our house. And my husband would just have to go get some of the big stuff. We put everything in a storage unit. We just, but we didn't know where we were going, but our house had sold. So we were with my parents for the time being. And which actually was very helpful because my mom is, um, she only works like two, three days a week. She's got a pretty flexible schedule. So she would be home with me and my son. Um, and then my mother-in-law would come help. Um, my brother was still living at home at the time. He's, uh, four years younger than me. And, so yeah, it, there was a lot of people. It was a lot of help. So I was thankful for that. But I spent two weeks on bed rest. And so she came in the middle and used the Doppler. Uh, couldn't quite pinpoint a heartbeat. Um, but I was like, it's okay. We had the ultrasound. He was great. Um and then a week later we had the MFM appointment and the, you know, they do an ultrasound. So I was like, it's okay. Um, I, you know, you can hear it when they're doing it on your stomach. And I mean, I, I couldn't necessarily hear it either, but I was like, I'm not, I'm not trained. I'm not a professional. I don't know what I'm listening for. So, I mean, it was fine. Um, so we went into the appointment with the, oh, and this whole time I was spotting on and off by the way. So um, for two weeks, from 10 weeks to 12 weeks, I was on bed rest, spotting, and just 
waiting to see what was happening, but I had no cramping. I had no other symptoms other than just the, the spotting. And because I didn't have any morning sickness, any, any of those food aversions, because I didn't have any of that, it was hard to tell, okay, did my symptoms drop because I'm miscarrying or is it just because I didn't have them? Like there was nothing to tell. So um, we finally get our appointment with the maternal fetal medicine doctor and um, we're, I mean, I'm anxious and not really sure what to expect. I felt like I was prepared for them to tell us the worst news. And so we get in and the tech comes in to, to do the ultrasound. And yeah, it was pretty obvious that he had passed sometime between that ultrasound and this one. Um, because we had had that first ultrasound and we saw him moving and, and like jumping around to see that one. I, I mean, I knew immediately as soon as he put the, the wand on me, he was not moving. It was like he was sleeping, you know? So I just knew. And then, you know, they do the button to double check for the heartbeat and, and there was nothing. And so of course I'm, I'm crying, but I feel like I'm holding it together enough. And, um, but my husband was unprepared and he was just like shocked. I think he was holding on hope for both of us. And so <clears throat> he was really upset. And so he cried. And so we're waiting, thankfully not too long for the doctor to come in. So the, the tech said, you know, I'm so sorry, but let me go get the doctor to come in and talk to you guys and, and he will double check. Um, so the doctor came in and of course he, he checked and there was nothing. And um, this doctor was fantastic. He was so kind and he was so, and I mean, it's a man, so you never know what you're gonna get, but he was, he was really kind. And he said, you know, he did say a few of the things like, oh, you're young, you're healthy. Like you can try again, just take some baby aspirin next time. And I'm like, thank you, but I'm not thinking about next time right now. Like, I just don't know what I'm doing. Um, and so in that room, he gave us the options and he said, you know, you can, cause I was like, okay, well, what do I do? Um, and he said, you know, you can let your body do things naturally. You can take the medicine, the, the cytotech, misoprost, whatever. <laughs> um, or you can get a DNC. And I just kind of felt like, well, I was planning a home birth with this child. I'm just gonna let it happen naturally and do it at home. Um, that was my plan. And so he said, okay. He said, you know, it's, he's like, that's fine. And he didn't have any concerns. So he did do some measurements and it looks like the baby stopped growing shortly after that first ultrasound. Um, he was 10 weeks, four or five days, something like that. So, um, and then I was 12 weeks at this point. So baby was 10 weeks. And so I was for two weeks hoping that he was okay and he had actually died. Um, that was weird for me. Once I knew that he was no longer alive, it was different for me. I was okay carrying him around. I know that it's hard for some people, but for me, I was okay with that. And so I just was going to take my time 
and let things happen. And knowing what I know now, I, and listening to some of the women that have been in your podcast, I realized that that could have taken a lot longer than it did. And so I'm very thankful that for me, it happened, like when it happened, it was done and it was over. Um, so yeah, I just listening to some stories, I was like, wow, I'm thankful that I didn't, that didn't happen to me because I realize now that sometimes your body doesn't do what it should do. Um, but I, yeah, I waited and uh, it took about a little under two weeks for it to happen. So I should have been about 14 weeks pregnant and I wasn't. So we were still living with my parents and um, they were also having a huge home remodel happening. They had just paid off their house. And so they were like, you know, we're going to do all of these projects and they don't have a huge house. It's um, all one story, three bedrooms. And so they're all down this back hallway. You know how older homes don't have like the nice split floor plan where kid bedrooms are on one side and the parents are on the other. They're all right next to each other. So they had decided to um, like completely gut the guest bathroom, which is the bathroom that like my brother and I used growing up. <laughs> Cause there was only two, it was that one. And then the master bath. So they gutted it. I mean, completely down to the studs. They took everything out and you couldn't even use the bathtub um, because they had stuff sitting in the bathtub or they had taken off the sheetrock too. So like it was unusable. Um, and of course, that's when my body decided to pass my baby was when this bathroom was unusable. So in the two weeks I had, um, prepared myself as much as I could. And I knew that I wanted to try and save the, the baby and do some sort of like burial, um, just to kind of help me have some closure. I felt like that's what I needed. So, um, in the bathroom, I had a little Tupperware container and it's, it's like, my reality is that I'm having to catch my baby in a Tupperware instead of like catching my baby in my arms, you know, at 40 plus weeks. And so that was weird and surreal. So, um, <clears throat> my friends had um, done like a meal train. And so they were, they were great. I don't have any friends that have had a miscarriage, any close friends. Um, my mom actually had a miscarriage when um, I was like 13. So um, I didn't want to like, we don't, we didn't talk about it too much. Like they were clear with me and my brother what happened. And so we never, they never like hid it from us, but it was just like, I was 13 and he was nine. And so we were like, oh, okay. Like our baby sibling died. Like we knew what it was, but I didn't ask questions. I'm 13. Like I was just sad. And so when we found out what happened, I asked my mom about hers and she was like, I remember nothing because hers was extremely traumatic. Um, and so I couldn't even have my mom's experience because it was so traumatic and like people, you just don't talk about it. So she was very there for me and very helpful with 
without being able to like prep me for what it felt like. Um, but that's okay. She was extremely understanding and so helpful. So friends had set up this meal train and, um, so we had meals pretty much the entire two weeks, uh, two to three times a week, which was helpful. And, um, it was a Saturday. So this on that Sunday, a friend was having a baby shower. I have, um, I was very thankful to like find a group of friends that had children all around the same age. And so we have like a, like a play group for all of our kids once, twice a week. And so we all became pretty close, but there's probably like 10 moms and between that many moms, maybe eight moms, you have a lot of pregnancies and a lot of babies. And most of our kids were, most of us were on our first child. So like most of us want to, wanted to have more. And so uh, a friend was pregnant and had her shower the next day. And I obviously was planning not to not go, but I wanted, uh, I had like a little gift for her and I wanted to send like a, um, they were doing like, you know, you bring a dish. Um, so I was going to send something and another friend was going to come pick it up. And that was on Sunday. So on Saturday, I just felt like my body was telling me that things were going to happen. So I pretty much laid around Saturday. There was, I didn't have any pain, but I just felt really tired. Um, and then that Saturday night in the middle of the night, I woke up and was like, yeah, it's happening. Um, I was cramping, which is contractions. And, um, I, our son was on like a twin mattress on one side. And then my husband and I were on a full mattress on this side. And my son woke up because at like two and a half, they don't always sleep through the night. So my son had woken up and I ended up just like laying next to him because I was just in pain that I couldn't really like move too much. So I just laid next to him and pretty much just held my, my living son while I was getting ready to get, give birth to my dead son. So that was, that was hard. And then <clears throat> sometime in that early morning, my son like woke up, but it was still too early to officially wake up. So I, my husband like grabbed him and they went in the, the bigger bed. And so I laid in this twin bed and just focused on <clears throat> getting through it. And I have never given vaginal birth before I had a C-section. I don't even know what it feels like. The little bit of contractions that I had with my C-section, I don't, I didn't feel. The monitor picked it up. So I not only just, I, just because I had a living child doesn't mean that I knew what that type of birth felt like. So I really was going in blind. And um, so I was just laying there kind of like, processing and crying silently to myself. And, um, I don't, I think I got the heating pad. I think I had had the heating pad ready. And so I, I turned it on and I think I had it on my back and my front and just, you know, moving around where I needed it. Um, but I knew I was bleeding. I could feel it. And I was having those contractions and I was laying there, um, just kind of like breathing through it. And I feel my, like the pubic symphysis bones, I felt them pop. 
um, because I never dilated probably that much. I, I don't think I dilated hardly any with my C-section because they, they took me in so early. Um, so that was, that was crazy. And it, I was like, whoa, like my body is opening. Um, it was, it was crazy. So I think maybe around seven, <clears throat> my son started to get up and I told my husband, I said, Hey, like it's happening. Um, so he took, my mom came and grabbed our son since we're all in the same house. And, um, my dad was still sleeping in their master bedroom, but I had to go through the master bedroom to get to their bathroom and use their bathroom because the other one was unusable. So it was just like all of these things. It's like, I don't want this. I don't want my dad to be sleeping. I don't want to be in the room right next to like, not that I'm ashamed of what's happening, but it's like, you want a little bit of privacy, but my family was really great. Like my husband told them, you know, like, Hey, it's happening. And nobody could use the bathroom because the other toilet was out. So like, you know, they're just out of luck for a little bit, but, um, we, I got up and, um, we went to the bathroom and as soon as like I got in the bathroom, I felt my body do expel the baby. And so I just, I could feel it and I knew. Um, and I just told my husband, I was like, that was it. And, um, because I didn't know what to expect. I was just like, okay, what do I do now? So, um, we did, we were able to put the baby in the Tupperware. Um, he came out not in the sack or anything. Um, and I mean, he was a little human, like he had a head and two arms and two legs and he looked very normal considering he was only 10 weeks. And it was just like, it was comforting as much as it was upsetting, you know, because he looked so normal. And I mean, I don't know what a chromosome abnormal baby looks like at that gestational age but I was like he looks fine why did this happen like it was just weird to see so um then but my body was still needing to get things out so I was and was still in pain so I was still contracting and um so I got in the tub and I essentially like labored in the tub I hadn't really done a lot of, um, reading and research about like, you know, coping techniques for when you're giving birth at home. But like, I just instinctually, I guess, kind of knew what to do. So I just continued laboring in the tub and things, you know, were passing. And, um, I just like had the shower on, on my back and, you know, just all the things that I've also heard from like friends do. Um, several friends have also had home births and, you know, just kind of following my instincts along with some tips that I had heard from friends about like, oh, the hot shower water feels really good on your back. And so even though my baby was 10 weeks old, it's still looking back now, I'm like, you know, I could feel the progression of labor. Um, and like I knew, like it was just, it was not a heavy period, even though it was cramping per se, it was different. And I 
don't really know how to describe it other than the fact that it was different. <laughs> and I, I just want to say that I definitely agree in my, um, in my first miscarriage, I didn't induce with medication. It was very similar, uh, where it was weeks after, um, and I remember feeling like, oh, well, these are cramps, but they're more serious than cramps. Yeah. And I don't think I realized they were contractions until I had my first living son and I experienced full-term live birth and contractions. And I was like, wow, I've done this before. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember feeling all those same stages. Um, and then my, my baby measured only at like seven weeks, but my body was much further along because I stayed pregnant with them, even though they weren't alive. And it was still like, felt the, the whole dilation. I felt the pop. I felt all of the stages of labor at when my baby was measuring so tiny at seven weeks. And I feel like people really told me it wasn't going to be anything because. So did you hear, like when you stay pregnant, even though your baby has stopped growing, do you like continue to grow? Do you know? Some people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so no, that was like what was confusing in my pregnancy was okay. that they couldn't verify that my pregnancy was over because the baby wasn't growing, but my gestational sac was growing. And so I like actually continued to look pregnant because my uterus continued to expand, okay. which was, I didn't even know was possible, but I do. I, whenever I talk to people, I always say that pregnancy is how long your body is pregnant, not necessarily how long your baby is alive. Right. And so yeah. even though your baby is dead, you still carried them for 14 weeks. And, and I think that that's uh, a timeline worth acknowledging. Yeah, I agree. And it seems for me, it's, I, I don't know, almost seems more validating in a way yeah. to say like, I, I was pregnant for 14 weeks. Like, even though they stopped growing at 10, like my body was still like anatomically, physically pregnant. So 100%. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I continue to grow. I do feel like I, I looked fairly pregnant still because, you know, as you continue in your pregnancies, you, you get, you show faster. Like with my first, I didn't really look pregnant until 20 plus weeks. Yeah. Um, but this one, I definitely was like, felt bloated and you couldn't like, there was a little pooch. Um, but I don't remember if I kept, kept growing, but it would make sense that maybe I did because I, um, something got stuck and I don't know if it was the placenta or the just there was more tissue that got stuck so like after I was laboring I continued to labor and I was like there's something else and it won't come out and at this point the contractions had stopped so my body was no longer forcing anything out and I got really nervous and really anxious. I didn't want to have to go to the ER to, you know, have anything happen. So, um, my husband was like, you need to just calm down. Cause like I was I'm almost starting to have like a panic attack at this point. So I, um, went and I, I cleaned up and I got, and I laid down with a heating pad and that was really soothing and, um, took a nap. I took like a two plus hour nap and, um, when I got up and I went back to the bathroom, I think my body had calmed down enough and I had calmed down enough to where it was able to come out, um, had to like pull it. I don't know. It was very large. Like, I don't want to be gross, but whatever it was, whatever tissue 
it was, was very large and had been stuck kind of in my, um, like it was probably in, your cervix. Yeah. It was stuck somehow. Yeah. in all, wherever it was. Um, and so <laughs> it was painful, um, because my body wanted it out, but it was still there. So thankfully after my nap, I was calm enough and I got it out. Um, a little paranoid that maybe something got stuck in my uterus, maybe, you know, I didn't want an infection. So we just kind of watched it, but it felt a lot of relief after I finally got that last bit out. And, um, I was sore, like I was so sore and so tired. I was like, no wonder women need a while after they give birth full term to recover. Like I'm exhausted. And so I, that was on the Sunday. Um, and I think I, I think it was about three days before I was feeling okay to like do things, which doesn't seem like a lot in the grand scheme of things, but I still didn't feel like myself for probably several months. Um, I was, um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it was like three, three days um, to feel physically okay, like down there and for things to probably go back to normal. But then because I had spent two weeks on bed rest, my whole body was kind of like, I lost muscle. Like I was weak and it was, it was crazy. So yeah, it was, it was rough. Um, and then I was like, okay, I guess I have to go back to regular life now. Like, uh, we had an event uh, a couple weeks. No, not a couple weeks. Like the week later, I had this event that I was going to, um, like a huge consignment sale for kids items. Um, and I was walking around like grabbing stuff for my son. And I'm like, I should be grabbing stuff for another baby, but I'm not. Um, and physically, I was so tired. Like I had to go sit down. Uh, after I grabbed what I want, we have this, um, I think it's nationwide, but it's a huge consignment sale for kids stuff. It's called just between friends. I don't know if you've heard, of, heard it. of it. Okay. It's really cool. Um, just if anybody's yeah. interested, it's, I think it's nationwide. Um, but it, we have one in our town and so it's, it's a fun event to go and grab. They have it twice a year. And so I like to go and I'll get stuff for my son from you know spring until the fall and then from the fall until the spring and um birthday presents and all that stuff and it's heavily discounted because it's all you know people selling their gently used things so it's it's great but I was so exhausted and so tired and so sore that I just had to sit down and some of my other friends are out there shopping and I'm just like, okay, guys, I'm, I have to go. I'm exhausted. So it was just, it was like, I went through all of this and I have nothing to show for it, you know? So that was, that was, um, that was hard. And, um, my friend that had her baby shower on that Sunday, I had to text some of my other friends and say, Hey, by the way, like, don't, come pick up what I was going to bring because I, I didn't make it because my body is um, decided today was the day. So that was, that was hard to even have to speak those words or even text those words. It's hard. 
um, even after we had the ultrasound where we found out he had stopped growing, like I couldn't, my mom texted or my mom called, I think, and was like wanting to know how it went. And I didn't accept her call. And I just texted her because it's like, I can't, I can't see this. I don't know how to speak these words. So that was, um, that was hard, but yeah, we, uh, that the, uh, the actual day that my body passed my baby was, uh, April 18th. So that was from February from Valentine's day to, to mid April, I was pregnant with our second. And so I knew that we had so much going on with our house. And when we hadn't even found a house yet, like there was so much going on. So we were like, we're, we're not even going to entertain the idea of another baby right now. Um, thankfully we did end up getting a house. Um, we were able to, um, my dad was talking to a neighbor one day and they were wanting to sell their house and they wanted to sell it off market because they didn't want to deal with anything and they sold it to us. Um, so we actually currently live about eight houses down from my parents and it's fantastic. Um, we love it. So this morning, right before I actually walked my son down to my mom's house and it's just, it's fun, but, um, it's also like that we should have, you know, another child here. So it's, it's bittersweet. And so like we closed on our house and I was, um, on bed rest when we were trying to figure out all these things that we were going to do. Um, and like, we hadn't closed on our house yet, but we were like, okay, well, how am I going to go sign paperwork? If I'm on bed rest, I can't go do this. I can't drive up to this office, um, and sign paperwork. And so they were like, well, we can get like a notary and we can have this notary come to your house and you can sign all the paperwork. It was just crazy. And then all of a sudden we didn't have to do that anymore. Um, I was able to go to this office and sign paperwork to sell our house and then buy our other house. So it was just the reality that you thought you were going to live was no more. Yeah. 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 And it's a, it's all these different losses and, and it's like, as you navigate life after you've had a miscarriage and when you should be pregnant, it's like, it rehashes it every time. Like I should be doing this and be this far along. I should be doing this and be this far along. I should be doing this and have a baby in my arms. And yeah, I, um, deleted all the pregnancy apps. Um, I, I know I did not want to know how far along I should have been at certain points. I just knew I should have been pregnant. Um, it was too hard to know what week I should have been. Um, it was just too hard for me. So I, and I hadn't even done like a little baby registry already because just to like have it started and get, you know, some items on there and like all of that, I was just like, I had to go in and put, you know, I, they're like, they ask you, Oh, what, what happened? And I, you have to put that you had a miscarriage. And so, and one of them still kept sending me emails. So. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a lot of them that still do that. And it's, it's different. Like I wish that they would send, uh, we heard you've had a miscarriage. Here's some support options or yeah. here's. That would be hoping. fantastic, but it's it not. Just, it it's like, come back whenever you're pregnant again. Yeah. It's, it stops or they continue to send you the emails mm -hmm. and it's just not what you want to see. I ended up, um, literally the day we, we had the ultrasound to find out that there was no more heartbeat. I got an email from like the, what to expect. And, um, 
it was like, you're 12 weeks today. And I was like, no, I'm not. So I immediately went in and deleted all of that. Um, Yeah. And we took a family vacation that summer and I was supposed to be pregnant and I was not. And um, my due date for that one was October 25th. And so just in a few days. So he should be turning one and he's not. Um, and my living son's birthday is November 1st. So they, it's a week apart. So last year I did not want to have a birthday party for my son. Um, we ended up having one and I just kind of put on a brave face and pretended to be happy, but I really dragged my feet and like, didn't want to do anything. I was just, yeah, I was like, this is not what it should be. I, I really shouldn't be having a birthday party because I would either be pregnant or like have a newborn because they're the due date. And my son's birthday was so close. Like we weren't originally planning to do anything because we wouldn't know would I have a newborn. Would I still be pregnant? But like, yeah, like we, we were going to see what happened at that time, but more than likely he wasn't going to have a big party. And we ended up having a big party for him because I was no longer pregnant or had a newborn. So yeah, that was all of those things. Like you said, it's really hard. We, um, I feel like I tried, I, I healed somewhat emotionally, but until you get to your due date, at least for me, I felt like I couldn't have any full resolution. And so on my due date, my, it was a Monday, I think. So my husband, I was like, I need you to take off work on what would have been my due date. And he was like, okay, no problem. Um, because I just didn't know what would, what that day would bring. I had no idea. Well, I, it turned out that the weekend before, so like, I don't know, pretty much this weekend, whatever this weekend was in date terms last year, um, we went to this huge car show for our son that had like garbage trucks and dump trucks. And he was so into that. Um, so we took him to that and they, he could go climb in the vehicles and, um, had like a school bus and an ambulance, all this. It was really cool. So we went to that and I was just agitated the whole day. And I didn't really know why, like my husband and I argued over a parking spot, like just silly things. And I was just like, I don't know why I'm feeling irritated. And, um, his side of the family met us there. And I was just like really irritated and, um, like everything they did was bothering me. And, I saw pregnant ladies and I was just like mad and we get in the car to go home. And for some reason, my son didn't enjoy it. I don't know why he was, he didn't want to go in any of the vehicles. We'd stand and wait our turn. And then he'd get up and he'd be like, no, I don't want to do it. So he was already not loving it. And I was in a bad mood. So we ended up like leaving early. And uh, on the way home, I was like, I don't, I don't know why I'm, irritated and it it's like this moment and it clicks at least for me I've had several of these moments where I'm like I don't know why I'm feeling this way and then it clicks and I'm like oh I was triggered by something um and so I think I already woke up subconsciously feeling that way because my due date was close and I didn't want to go to this thing and um I forced myself to go anyways. So it was this long whole thing. And I realized that I'm upset because my due date was Monday and I'm not pregnant. And I had a 
huge like panic attack slash I don't know just upset emotional moment and so my my son my husband walked our son down to my parents and you know we just spent the day kind of grieving all over again um then I was fine on my due date like I you know obviously not fine but emotionally I was feeling better so I actually feel like the anticipation of the due date is is so heavy and the due date is really heavy it's a really tough day but I feel like we the days leading up to it the anticipation is even heavier yeah we almost get out a lot of that emotion and then on the day of we feel oddly I don't want to say at peace because we Mm -hmm. clearly aren't like totally peaceful but it is it's different lighter almost like it's a sad day but you feel at least for me that's how I felt I felt a lot lighter so yeah that but once that happened I felt like okay I can really like kind of move on without forgetting you know Mm -hmm. so yeah I uh, it was hard but we decided that we didn't want to get pregnant before the due date and so after the due date we waited a little bit and around Christmas we're like okay we're ready to try again. And so, um, we didn't put a lot of pressure on it, but we were trying until, um, for like three months and nothing was happening. And I was like, okay, this is weird. So I bought ovulation test strips. Uh, my first experience with the ovulation test strips Fun stuff. Yeah. Which are now like my best friend. (laughs) And so, uh, we used those for one month and that we got pregnant that month. So I, I was just a little off on my um, days, I think. And so knowing for sure the day with the kit, the OPK, I guess that's the term. Um, yeah, we were successful. So I got pregnant. Um, and I got a positive pregnancy test on April 1st. And so my, my due dates have all been, my due date for our first son was actually December 10th, even though he's born November 1st because he was very early. So, or no, I'm sorry. Yes. December 10th. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard to remember his due date because his birthday overshadows that. Um, so he was due December 10th. The second baby was due October 25th, but ended up being close to my living son's birthday. Then this third pregnancy, my due date was December 15th. So my first pregnancy and then the third pregnancy timelines were almost exact. It was very interesting, but all of them have felt very similar in timeline for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like get pregnant in the spring and, and then have a baby at the end of the year. Um, so I was like, oh, look at that. Like their due dates are close, but maybe I'll actually have this baby in December this time instead of November. So um, yeah. But being pregnant after loss is obviously a very hard thing. So I was excited and nervous at the same time. So um, <clears throat> we hired the same midwife because she was really great throughout this, the, the miscarriage that I had. And I just felt it's like I felt comfortable using her again. And um, I, so I called her and, you know, we set up our nine week appointment and I said, I do want to get an ultrasound early. So she said, uh, she recommended waiting until at least seven weeks, just so that way you can hear a heartbeat because before that it can be, you know, you just, you, you can't always hear it. So, uh, 
we waited until seven weeks. This pregnancy, I knew pretty much immediately that I was pregnant. I had all of the symptoms, which I had never experienced before. Um, And so I was taking that as a good sign. I had major food aversions, major nausea, um, so much fatigue. Like I was like, all right, I'm pregnant. Like it's finally happening. And so, yeah, everything was all normal. Um, at seven weeks, we had our ultrasound and we also did the early blood test again, um, said it was a boy. Mm. So three boys. And so, um, we went to the ultrasound and everything was fine. Measuring on track, strong heartbeat. So then, um, nine weeks comes around and it's the first appointment with the midwife. And, um, I was having anxiety, not because of her or the appointment, but just because it was getting to that week that everything happened before. And so there's just a lot of feelings involved. And so, um, at my midwife appointment, um, she was able to find the heartbeat with the Doppler. And I was like crying because there was so much anxiety around that. And as soon as she found the heartbeat, I was able to remember the first time the first two times she used the Doppler in my second pregnancy. And I was like, yeah, I can tell the difference between the sounds that she heard that time and this time. And so I knew, I was like, that's his heartbeat. Like I knew um, that she really couldn't find it the first time or in that second pregnancy. So I was just like, yeah, he's good. I hear the heartbeat and all was fine. And so that was, I think on Wednesday, I think my appointment was Wednesday. Sure enough. The end by the end of that week, I was miscarrying. Um, so I, um, I'm trying to think now it was the end of the next week. So my appointment was on Wednesday and everything was okay. Um, that weekend I had, I had some pink discharge again and I was like, it, it was almost exactly like what happened with the first loss. Um, I had the pink discharge. And I, so I texted her and then I had a little bit of grayish discharge and I texted her and I said, Hey, this is exactly like the last time I'm really nervous. Um, so we're going to go get an ultrasound. And so we got an ultrasound. Um, but again, everything looked fine. He had a heartbeat measuring ahead actually, And so I think that was on, my appointment was Wednesday. I think that was on Monday when that happened. Um, I, I bled. Yeah, I bled. Sorry. This one's a little more traumatic for me. Um, even though it's the most recent because that was, that was this year. Um, so I technically should be about 30 something weeks pregnant right now. So this one, even though it's fresher, it's, it's more traumatic for me. Um, but I think that I had bled actually. And so we got an ultrasound that day and everything looked fine. Um, then that was like on a Monday. And so I just took it easy. And, um, my brother's fiance at the time, um, we were hosting her bridal shower on Saturday. So I just took it easy that week. Um, that Friday night, I went over to my mom's and helped decorate and I, I wasn't feeling very good. I just felt achy. 
Um, and I just thought maybe I was just really tired. So, you know, I helped decorate. I pretty much did things while sitting. Um, and I don't know if it's because it was my third pregnancy or what, but I looked very pregnant. I mean, I was, um, like you could tell that I was pregnant. There was a lot of bloat and a lot of roundness already. Um, and so I just felt kind of uncomfortable down by my hips. And I was like, well, maybe it's, you know, this is the third time my body's doing it. So who knows what it is, but I, it wasn't cramping. It just felt achy. So, um, I went home, you know, went to bed early. The next day was my sister-in-law shower and, um, I just felt a little off. And so didn't say anything because, you know, it's a day to celebrate my, my brother getting married and, you know, celebrate her. So I just didn't say anything. I just, felt a little, a little off and a little achy. I feel like that's the best way to describe it. No cramps, but just achy. And then, so that was pretty much an all day thing um, because we were like hosting it technically. So I was there to set up and play hostess and then clean up. And so we got home in the evening, you know, spent the rest of the day at home and um, my son was in bed and I told my husband, I said, I, something feels off. Like it's like on my left lower side, I was like, you know, it hurts right here. And I said, but it doesn't feel like I'm cramping. It almost feels just like I'm constipated. Um, and he was like, oh, okay. You know, well, maybe you just need a good night's sleep. Like it's been busy. Um, so I said, yeah, that's probably it. So we, um, we went to bed and halfway through the night, my son got up. And so my husband went in his room with him and ended up falling asleep. And I woke up around six to blood. And so I, I just knew, I think because I had gone through it before that I didn't freak out this time. I remained calm. And so I went to the bathroom and, and there was a lot and some clots. And so I, called my, or I texted my midwife because it was so early. I didn't want to wake her up. And if she had been at a birth, maybe she was sleeping. So, and I felt like she needed to know, but I was like, I don't need you to tell me what to do because I know, I know what to do. I just need to inform you as my provider. So I, I texted her and I said, Hey, you know, I'm bleeding. And I said, I think I'm cramping. Um, and she, she's fantastic. She like immediately called me and was like, you know, what's going on. And so I told her, I said, um, I'm pretty, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm cramping. I was like, I feel off. I I've been through this before. It almost feels like it's about to start. And so she said, okay, well take it easy. She said, you know, it could be an SCH, a subchronic hemorrhage. And I said, I know, I said, but I'm pretty sure it's a miscarriage. And so, um, so I, we, I finished my call with her cleaned up, got back in bed with the heating pad. And I texted my mom and I said, Hey, like, can, uh, my son come over once he wakes up? Um, my husband will walk him down. And so she, I said, I'm bleeding. And so she said, of course. So, um, my husband, when they woke up, they came in our room and I, was, uh, I just told my husband, I said, I think I'm miscarrying. And so, um, 
he walked my son down and came back and pretty much I just laid in bed all day laboring. Like this one happened during the day. The, the first one I was, I, I was able to sleep through about half of it. This one, I felt every cramp slash contraction. Like I felt everything and it was, it was hard. Um, it was pretty much all day from the time I woke up around six until, um, you know, maybe five or six that evening. So I was about 12 hours, I guess. Um, and I just, at the point, my, my husband kept himself busy. He was like doing the dishes and he threw something in the crock pot for dinner. I think he was trying to remain positive and he was like, it's not happening. Like, I think that's what he thought. And I'm laying in bed and I'm like, it's happening. Like, I know it's happening. Um, a friend had texted me because we were actually supposed to go to their, to the, to their family beach house with them. Cause we only live about 30 minutes from Galveston. So, um, we were supposed to go to their beach house on Friday and just um, let our kids play and um, hang out. And uh, I ended up canceling. I said, I'm just, I don't know. My, we've got the shower. I was like, I'm just not feeling great. I had that weird discharge. I want to take it easy. She was like, yeah, no problem. She totally understood. Well, she ended up texting me to see how I was feeling on, on uh, Sunday. This was a Sunday. And I said, I'm pretty sure I'm miscarrying. And she was just like, Oh my God. She's like, I don't even know what to say. She's like, I am so sorry. Like, let me know if you need anything, you know, I'm here for you. Um, she'd also been with me through the first miscarriage. We've been friends since, um, my first son was born. So I've known her for a while. And I think she was just like shocked, you know, it, it almost feels like one miscarriage is, is common, but two or more is like unheard of. So yeah, she was just, it was ironic that she texted me and I was like, yeah, it's happening. Cause I'm, I'm not sitting there texting people. I think I'm miscarrying. I think I'm miscarrying. Like I texted the people that needed to know and left it at that and didn't, you know, left my phone over there or picked it up to Google, you know? So I, um, yeah, I miscarried that night in my bathtub, just like the first time. Um, I felt like it, it was ramping up. And so I told my husband, I said, Hey, I need to go take a bath. And it, it happened and it felt exactly like the first time. Um, we put our baby in a Tupperware to again, like plant a, a plant in his honor or bury, you know, and, um, but I didn't feel relief afterwards. So after the first one, I felt pretty much instant relief and there was no complications. So this time I did not feel that relief. Um, I ended up losing a lot of blood, um, that evening and called my midwife. And I said, Hey, I feel like I may be bleeding through too many pads. And, um, she said, uh, I told her what was going on. And she said, if you do one more, go to the ER. Well, I laid down and got up and had too much blood. I think for me personally, I felt woozy, felt dizzy. I felt nauseous. Um, my husband's like, we're going. So my parents came to stay. Our son was already in bed. So my parents walked down to just stay at our house while he was asleep. And we went to the ER that was close to our house where we have not had the best experiences. But um, since it's the, the closest in case I was losing too much blood, we went there and our experience was awful. And um, I walked in and was like, you know, I just miscarried my baby and I'm bleeding a lot. 
And the guy at the front desk was probably in his early twenties and didn't know anything about pregnancy and just looked at me and he was like, okay, well, you know, we got to triage you. And I'm like, no, I need to be seen. I'm not sitting in this waiting room with all of these other people. So, um, finally they heard me somewhat and they put us in like a private waiting room off to the side, but I still had to sit in a chair and I was continuing to cramp and contract. It was very painful. So, um, you know, they do all the things and get your blood and then you go back and you wait. And then, um, we finally got in a, in a room and, um, laid down. And as soon as I laid down, I felt better. Um, it was just something about the sitting up that is probably more pressure and it was just so uncomfortable, but, um, the nurse was really great and she had also had pregnancy loss. And so she was very sympathetic, but the nurse practitioner came in telling me what they're going to do and was very, um, rude. I guess is the best way to describe it. She told me, um, she's like, so what's going on? And I said, do you not read your charts? Like I'm here because I miscarried and I'm bleeding too much. And she said, oh, well, you know, this, if you only bleed through three pads in three hours or something like that, then that's too much. And I was like, no, that's, I would be losing way too much blood. I was like, I don't think that's right. But she was just like, no, you're kind of like a, you're fine. Why are you here type attitude? Um, so they, of course, you know, took blood to check my numbers. And um, she said, we're going to do an ultrasound. And she said, we're going to do a pelvic exam. And I said, why do you need to do a pelvic exam? I'm just had a lot of stuff happen on there. I don't want a pelvic exam. And she's like, well, and um, she was like, we just have to like feel around. I, I don't know. It was, it was very traumatic, but basically she said, I said, why do you have to do all of these things? And she said, we just need to make sure that the baby is out. And I said, I told you the baby is out. He's sitting in my freezer at home. Like I've done this before. This is my second miscarriage. I'm not an idiot. I felt very much like I was being talked down to. And I just said, you do not need to confirm what I already know. Just because you're the doctor doesn't mean that I don't know what is happening to my body. Like I want an ultrasound to confirm that there's no more tissue but you don't need to tell me that you're checking to make sure my baby is no longer in there because I know he's not. And it was just so like belittling the way that she was speaking to me. I was so livid. I was like, you don't tell somebody that you have to double check that there's no baby when I saw my baby and I've had ultrasounds and I know it's not twins. Like it was, it was beyond frustrating and very evident that she didn't have the kindness or compassion. So to deal with my situation, but, um, we were able to go home around 2 AM and, um, I continued to cramp though for an entire week and something felt off. I told my husband, I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling good. Like the whole week I just felt off. Um, and then Friday evening, I, Friday was just, I felt awful. I had a temperature uh, I finally took my temperature around five or something. And I had a fever, um, of like 101, 102, something like that. So I called my midwife and she said, you need to go in, you have an infection. There's something happening. Um, more than likely I would have to have a DNC, which is what I didn't want. Um, I was just like shocked. So we 
my parents came down to stay with my son. Um, actually, my my husband put our son to bed and my mom went with me at first. To, and we went to the hospital my son was born at. We decided to go to the hospital that we felt would have better care. And that was the right choice. They were like total opposite of the situation at this first hospital. And um, it was funny though. I went in and immediately was triaged and I told the nurse my symptoms and she said, oh, you sound like you have the flu. And I was like, did you not hear what I just said? I, I just had no bleeding with the flu. <laughs> I was like, are you not listening? So that was, that was funny. I was like, I wish it was the flu. Like, I don't want to have to have her. I don't want to have to deal with this. So we, um, uh, I'm trying to think we were there for a while before I got a room, but they do all the tests. They were very great about um, doing everything pretty fast and not belittling me and not making me feel like I was there for no reason. And they took a lot of blood. They had to go check for sepsis and all that. And um, then I was in a different waiting room and um, was hooked up to an IV to get saline because I had pretty much not eaten hardly anything that entire week because I was still cramping and didn't have an appetite. So had saline, finally got put on antibiotics. Um, and then this nurse comes in who she was basically panicking almost is how I, is, is the vibe that I got. And she was like, yeah, um, we're going to give you the the medicine to help your body pass the tissues and we're going to observe you. But, um, you know, if that doesn't work, we're going to have to do a DNC because you could be septic. And her demeanor was just really nerve wracking. I was like, are you in a rush because you have other patients or is my situation really that dire? Like it was just weird. So they gave me, um, they gave it to me in a shot. I guess they can do that with the medication. I don't know, but they gave me something as a shot to help my body pass the tissue. Um, and they got me a room on the, the postpartum floor. Um, but I, thankfully I did not hear or see any babies. Um, so that was, I was like a little anxious to be willed up there, especially since that's where I also recovered after having my C-section. So it was just weird. I've been in this twice and my baby has not been in my room either time. Um, even though my baby was okay the first time. So, but thankfully again, no, no pregnant moms, no babies, didn't see any babies the entire time I was there. That was great. So, um, they wheeled me into this room and pretty much immediately this doctor comes in and is like, we're going to have to do a DNC. Like we can't wait. Um, you're on your way to being septic, even though it, the blood cultures apparently take a longer time for the sepsis results to come back, but they were worried that it was going to get to that point, I guess. Um, I'm on IV antibiotics like this entire time. Um, and they, you know, in the middle of the night, I'm like signing these consent forms for the surgery, but they were really great. You know, she was very thorough about the risks and um, what would happen. Everyone was very kind and understanding and very sympathetic. And um, nobody was like, why are you here? You know, like they all knew, like they knew I had lost my baby. Um, and so that was like, I don't know, 2 a.m. 
and then I had my surgery at I think 10 a.m. Um, and so they did the DNC and then I stayed for observation and like IV antibiotics still and for another 24 hours. So we were in the hospital for about two days for that. Um, and I did not know that a DNC is technically like an outpatient procedure um, because my experience with it was having to stay in the hospital, but it's now I know it's because I had the infection and they needed to watch me a little bit longer, but I felt a lot better after the DNC. I mean, after an entire week of my body just cramping and being, um, you know, not eating and all of that, I, I felt so much better. Like, I'm thankful that I was able to have that care to help my body heal. Um, so we got to go home on the, on Sunday and then that Saturday, the day that I had the DNC, another friend was having a baby shower. So it's just like all of this. And I'm getting these reminders of close friends that are having babies and, um, not that I'm unhappy for them, but you feel so sad for yourself and upset that you don't get to enjoy that because now I have to deal with once again, going through life, having my reality shattered, you know? So, um, that was, <clears throat> that was at the end of May, this DNC. So I physical recovery was pretty hard after that one. It was very painful. And I mean, I had a C-section, so I know what that pain is like. This pain is also almost worse in a weird way. I don't know how to describe it, but, um, I ended up taking the pretty heavy medication for a few days and I, I chose not to after my C-section just because I was stubborn. And I was like, I don't want this heavy medication that I can't hold my son with, you know? So yeah, that was over the summer and we've just continued to try to, you know, move on and figure out what's going on. My midwife um, ran blood work because we talked and we were like, both of them happened, baby stopped growing around 10 weeks, which is weird that both of them happened at the same time. So we ran blood work um, in June and I had some autoimmune markers come back positive. Um, and uh, what is it? Anti-nuclear antibodies. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, so that came back positive. So she re-ran the blood work in three months. So we ran it in September because she was thinking maybe they're elevated because of the infection. Um, but they also came back positive in September. So she said that she feels like I should see somebody. Um, so we are now working with a reproductive endocrinologist um, to figure out what's going on and see if, you know, it is this autoimmune marker, even though I don't have any symptoms for this autoimmune disease, um, apparently they can still be elevated and they affect your pregnancies. So um, yeah, that's where we're at right now. We're working with him to figure out what's going on and had a um, hysterosonogram on Monday to check and make sure everything was okay and it looks good. Had blood work drawn on Wednesday and we are just now waiting for the results so that's where we're at right now yeah oh emma i'm so sorry for all of your traumatic like reproductive health experiences yeah. i think that your story is proof that even those 
who have living children who have pregnancies that end in a living child, it's not without trauma or complication. And, you know, our entire journeys can be triggering of these experiences. And it's just not, uh, it's not as fun as we're taught to believe whenever we're younger and dreaming of having a family. For sure. It was like glass shatter type moment and something that's really hard and that I'm still working on. I have, after the second one, I have a lot of anger. Yeah. Like the first time I feel like I was sad and, you know, going through the grieving emotions, but now I feel like I have anger along yeah. with, with sadness. And it's just like, it's not fair. And so, you know, my son is about to be four and I'm like, I don't have a, a, a sibling for him. And telling him the second time that I had the miscarriage was harder than anything I've ever had to do. He was so excited to be a big brother. He finally understood the first time he didn't, um, this time he did. And we told him and he, I mean, literally like threw himself down on the bed and cried and was in his little, you know, three and a half year old mind so devastated um obviously he recovered a lot faster than I did but he he felt the pain of it and so it's hard when I have this four-year-old that wants to be a big brother and he talks about his baby brothers all the time like we 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 talk about it so you know there's a lot of emotions around that but I feel a lot of um yeah anger this time around so it's hard to kind of cope with when you feel angry all the time so well and uh and almost every person that I talk to who's had recurrent pregnancy losses um it's the second time is is harder than the first Mm -hmm. time and the third time is then harder you know like every time you would think it would be the opposite like where you feel like oh I've been through this I can get through it again and it gets harder every time. I think that that also kind of takes us by surprise. I remember feeling angry after my yeah. second. Um, I also, I, I don't think people believed me whenever I told them that for me, miscarriage was more painful than my living children's births. And I had a vaginal delivery and a C-section. Mm-hmm. And I also felt like I had a harder time recovering from an emergency DNC, which is very similar to your second yeah. loss than my C-section. And I think a lot of it is the happy hormones of having a new baby, right? But it's, sure. you would think it's, I don't know. I feel like that shocks people because in a C-section, you go through seven layers of skin. You have another <laughs> human to take care of. You're juggling milk coming in. You know, it's all of these things. And for the grief and the physical elements to feel like it compounds those experiences is wild. Yeah. And that's validating to hear you say that too, that yeah, even though I had this thing that would the c-section which would be more painful that it's like physically of course that surgery is more painful but there's you know it's kind of like if you make a pro and con list of both it's like there's so many terrible things happening with the miscarriages that it overpowers the the severity of the surgery of Mm c-section it's it's really interesting and i haven't fully understood it myself but in my experience my um not only were my living births cheaper than my miscarriages, uh, they were also somehow less painful and it makes no sense. It does. Yeah. (laughs) I, the thing that I've learned throughout this experience, throughout all of my experiences is that 
the hospitals and just I think our society in general doesn't know how to deal with it like every time I went into the hospital before 20 weeks they're like okay well you're not 20 weeks we can't do anything for you and I'm like I shouldn't have to wait in this waiting room with people that are like dealing with the flu or a stomach bug and I'm I just had this living child that was living and now isn't come out of me like it's so frustrating that they don't take it seriously. I think mm-hmm. any point in pregnancy, you should go up to L and D that's because it makes you feel seen and it makes you feel validated just because they can't save your baby. So early on, doesn't mean that you aren't, um, entitled to proper care. Totally. <clears throat> so that was really frustrating for me. Even when I went with my living son and went to the ER, even though I was past 20 weeks, it, they still didn't take me seriously. I had to demand to be taken up to L and D and not be triaged down here. And they gave me a hard time about it. And I said, you do realize that I'm past the 20 week mark. You need to take me up now. Right. And so I think is maybe it's that specific hospital that's by our house. Maybe other people have better experiences, but I did not at this hospital. And it was just, it adds to all of the grief and angry already feeling to have to advocate for yourself during such a vulnerable time. Yeah. So that that's really hard and really frustrating for me to have to if I ever figure out how we fix that, uh, I will let everybody know, but I'm yes. trying. <laughs> I was like, who do I email at this hospital and let them know? But I mean, I've done all of those things. I have emailed the doctors that I came in contact with. I've emailed people on behalf of clients and I get nowhere by trying to communicate. And it's, it's frustrating. It's a yeah. long fight, but you know, it's, it's also really interesting, um, because with miscarriage and, and our healthcare and all of that stuff, especially bringing up how you live in Texas, which is a really serious state to live in whenever you are pregnant and they, you know, they have these laws in place for, um, that, that can impact pregnancy loss, but it's like they value life from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. but whatever you're going in pregnant, they're not valuing you being pregnant. And it's really frustrating. It's hard to navigate the feelings of feeling like you're unimportant, but the minute that your baby comes out, everybody cares about that. Yeah. But, um, but only if they come out alive, like, correct. Yeah. It's, it's a very complicated <laughs> thing that I, I fully don't understand. And, and whenever I think about it, I go into like a dark hole of all these emotions. Yeah. Um, but it, it's hard to feel like you matter when your healthcare is telling you that you don't mm-hmm. until your baby is born. And then they're like, look, a cute baby. Yeah. But it's like, Hey, I just went through all this trauma and I matter too. Yeah. Thankfully my experience for the DNC was very much like I mattered. And so I was redeeming in a way, like I wasn't made to feel silly or overreact. Like I was overreacting when I went in, they were very much like you, you did the right thing. You know, there's still tissue and we need to get it out or you could become septic and you could have to have a hysterectomy, you know, like all of these very scary things. And so that was validating to hear that from this doctor when I had just had a complete opposite experience the week before. And somehow they missed the tissue that was still in my uterus. So like, clearly they don't know what they're doing. I had an, uh, an ultrasound the day that it happened because of all the bleeding and they were like, it looks fine. Uh, so 
you know? I have, I've had a very similar experience and yeah. I just can't make sense of it, but yeah. it's, I'm so glad that you're seeing a fertility doctor. You know, obviously I wish that you were not in that place, but I'm so hopeful that you'll feel safer as you navigate getting pregnant again and in yeah. the early weeks of your next pregnancy. It was very encouraging to see him and, you know, you, you kind of tell them your situation. And he said, you know, if it's, they'll run more testing, but if it's these autoimmune markers, then you just take some medication and like the success rate is really high and, you know, yeah. you're monitored by them and a maternal fetal medicine doctor. And, um, as of right now, we still do want to try to have a home birth, but I'm definitely at peace with whatever has to happen. Like if I need to find an OB, then we'll do that. My, my, my midwife has been really great and helping me through this situation that I would love to be able to have her at a birth, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, I just want a child. And if I have to have a C-section, I will have that C-section. Um, I think you even said you had an elective one with your mm -hmm. second, right? Yeah. yeah I've had that thought because it's almost, I had this thought when I got pregnant um, this last year that the feelings of being in labor will be triggering for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of these losses or of the loss. And now I've had it twice. And so it's, yeah it's a hard thought, you know, I don't know what we'll do, but definitely All you can do is take it a week at a time. Yeah. I didn't decide until the very end of my pregnancy, whenever I realized that, Hey, this is a very triggering time and I can't do this. Yeah. Um, and it was a great decision for me, but I, I totally, you, and just to reiterate, you have had home births. It just hasn't looked the way that you right. expected. Yes. And that was also, um, somewhat encouraging to be like, I trusted my body and my body yeah. did what it was supposed to do. Even though the second time it didn't fully do it. Um, the, the that first happens in birth, my first too, where yes. you can give birth at home and, and have um, tissue Definitely. left over where you still need a DNC. People have DNCs yeah. with booking children. And I didn't know that until just recently. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's all of these things, like you said, we're taught to believe that birth is like, you get pregnant and there's no yeah. issues. And then you give birth and it's wonderful. And it's, it's, it's all not, scary. It's so scary. <laughs> and it, it's really, I find myself wishing that everybody understood, even though that is not a nice thought. Yeah. Um, like I wish people understood without having to go through it, but nobody will understand unless they've gone through it. So mm. I find it hard to talk to people who don't understand because nobody wants to hear those nitty gritty details yeah. because it's uncomfortable. So. Well, you're in a good place because we are uncomfortable all the time and yeah. we uh, are here to listen. So I, I'm so thankful that you shared your story today. And I know that other people will be able to relate to different parts of your story as well. Um, and please, as your story unfolds, if you'd like to come back and share an update, you're welcome at any time. I'm hoping that it's a happy ending, but you know, we will see what happens. And I just as I know more too about my specific situation, I would love for it to be able to help somebody else too, because yeah. I've listened to so many podcasts on your show and for somebody who's going through that similar situation, it can be so helpful. And I'm sure there's people who are in my shoes that don't have access to as many resources or something. So I would just love to be able to say like, Hey, if this is what you're dealing with, this is how I dealt with it. And this is what we did, you know? Yeah. You take it and you make the best choice for you. But like, I find those stories encouraging that are similar to what I've gone through because it can just help 
guide me and give me encouragement. So that was my motivation also behind sharing as, as well as being heard and validated. So thank you. Yeah, of course.